I want you to take your sermon notes out. They're in your bulletin this morning as we continue our journey together. While you're doing that, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Tonight, we begin our teaching time on Sunday night. Take a hiatus usually in December and January. Begins tonight, 6 o'clock this evening in here. Pastor Ted's going to continue a series probably till sometime in May or the 1st of May on the commands of Jesus. Excellent information, excellent material. A great opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God, so I encourage you to do that. Every week or every so often, we have a sermon notes there in the bulletin insert for you. And uh, outside on one of those tables out there or underneath them are some binders. So if you do like them and want to keep them or want to be able to have a way to organize those, those are out there as well. You see somebody after the service and they would help you identify that. Last two Sundays, today and next Sunday, on our vision statement, we desire to be a people transformed by faith, Growing in what? Wisdom and intentional in relationships and service. That is who we are. That's who we want to be. We're not there yet, but that's our passion. That is our desire. It's one of the things we shape ourselves around, shape our ministries around, shape our context around. The desire to be a people transformed by faith, growing in wisdom and intentional in relationships and service. Last Sunday morning, we camped on that final leg of that vision statement, intentional in relationships. I flipped it around a little bit last Sunday morning, and I talked about the relational aspect. We're made for relationships. We're designed to have relationships. All of Scripture is about relationships. God's relationship with us, our relationship with Him, and our relationship with one another. Last Sunday morning, we talked about the intricacies of that. Reasons to have relationships, some of the ups and downs of relationships, and some of the key components to relationships. I hope that, again, every Sunday morning when you walk out of here and hear a a, a lot of information shared, that it's not left here. But to begin to analyze how you've either developed relationships, what you have in them, or what you don't have, or what you need to have in relationships. We're going to talk a lot about it at the end in the context of small groups, but I hope you're involved in one where you really do have authenticity, where you do trust one another, where you're honest with people. I hope you're in accountability in some form or another, where you do have people in your life who really can be honest with you about some of the issues they may see or some ways to help you grow. I hope you have some people in your life that have earned the privilege of what I call green light, where they can walk into your life and identify any area or point out any weakness or any struggle or anything they notice. Sometimes we're great analyzers of our own selves. Sometimes we're not. I'm my best friend and my worst enemy at times. And you know that as well. But I hope you have people in your life that do that for you, that you really do trust. And they really do love you enough to to be able to help you in the journey of life. No one wants to go through life alone. But I know some do. Last Sunday morning when I talked about, at the end of the message, about being alone, there are a lot of people that live life that way. They would love to be in a relationship. They'd love to have two or three, even one of the components of a great relationship that we talked about last Sunday morning. They have none of those. This morning I want to talk about the intentional side. How to develop those. What are the necessary ingredients to do that? How to look for that chemistry we talked about last Sunday morning. How to have that honesty and authenticity in relationships. But more specifically this morning, the intentional aspect of that, going after it, 
with everything you do. You know and I know that every television program succeeds or fails based on somebody going after the right chemistry, the right components to put it together. We're, we're fans of some older shows, not too many newer ones, but some older shows, and I begin to look at their success and how long they've been together, and I, I notice one of the very given components is the ability of somebody to intentionally go after people that they knew fit together and worked well together. Last year, we had a consultant come in and talk to us about a staff and work with us as a staff as we began to explore what our future is going to look like. And one of the things that he noticed is that everybody on our senior staff, other than Justin, who had just gotten here at that particular point, had been here 8 to 10 years or 17 in our case or 18 in Bill's. And he said, of all the churches that I've worked with across the country, I've not seen one that had a senior staff that had been together that long. Where there is genuine chemistry and, and you connect well together. When I worked on my doctoral program a number of years ago, I found that one of the successes of churches that were able to make it through the long haul and sustain as well to continue to grow is the length of stay of the senior pastor and the length of continuity of the senior team. And those issues are incredibly important in work, in churches, in ministries, in families, and in people's lives. And I hope you have found those. You know and I know that since the onslaught of the social media network, it has dramatically changed how we have relationships. What I grew up with in the context of relationships with the backyard fence, people in our neighborhood, or in my context, people down the road or in the next farm, is drastically different than how people have relationships today. One of the most popular, obviously, is Facebook. I'm not on it. I know I should be. I have more people tell me about my grandkids than I know about my grandkids because they see them on Facebook. Probably one of the most popular, 845 million people use it. If it were a country, it would be the third largest country in the world. You realize that? 845 million people use it. If it were a country, it would be the third largest country in the world. The average user has 130 friends. Spend 15 and a half hours every month on it. 200 million people access it via mobile device every single day. More than 30 billion pieces of content are shared. Facebook generates a staggering 770 billion page views per month. You get that? 7 billion people in the world. Generates staggering 770 billion page views per month. Largest demographic, obviously, is the younger people from 18 to 25, 26 to 34 the next. Almost 50% of the population of every state in the continental United States uses Facebook. Can you can now tell why that guy is a billionaire? 50% of every state in the union of the United States, of the people that are in that state, use Facebook. The fastest growing number of users, you know who it is? Women over 55. You want to know why? They're desperate for relationships because their husbands don't talk to them anymore. Okay, I didn't mean to have any humor in that, but now that you're laughing, my mind is working way overtime. 
There are a number of reasons for that, but one of them is, and we'll talk about that. I mean, you know, two days from now is Valentine's Day. It's the, you know, Hallmark's Day of the Year and floral departments and all of those things. Day of the Year, and a lot of people talk about that within the context of relationships and how, but, but one of the things that I hear probably more than any other statement in the context of marital counseling is he just doesn't talk to me anymore. And it just fascinates me when I know we were made for relationships and we're made to share life with one another. Many use sites like Facebook and Twitter because they're lonely. And others use it because they want to say how many friends or followers they have. And if we're real honest, many of those would better fit into the category of acquaintances rather than what we would understand as genuine friends in a more traditional understanding. But we like to know that I have influence or am connected to that many people for a lot of reasons. Two of them is because some people are incredibly lonely and others just want to be able to say how many friends I have. Part of it is insecurity to be able to say that. We said last week that relationships are what we're made for. They can shape us and develop us. Who we bring into our lives who we either bring around us or who we're influenced by can be incredible or destructive. Those around you can challenge you to exceed your own expectations or they can lead you down a very dangerous path, which is why the Proverbs writer said, choose your friends wisely. I couldn't reiterate a statement in a sermon any more than that one there this morning. Who you bring around you or who you're influenced by can be an incredible person, uh, can be incredible or destructive. Those around you can challenge you to exceed your own expectations or they can lead you down a destructive path. That's why the Proverbs writer said, choose your friends wisely and carefully. So many affairs happen within the context of known relationships. Relationships can be incredible or they can be extremely destructive. You know that raising children One of the things as a parent you pray for nonstop or hope you pray for nonstop is who is influencing your children. Who are your children connecting with? Who are they surrounding themselves with? Can be unbelievable or incredibly destructive. Which is why the Proverbs writer said choose your friends very wisely and very carefully. Maintaining good relationships can be challenging in an ever-changing society. And your sermon notes for a number of reasons. One is just simply the time crunch. There are so many activities and so many choices. Sometimes too many activities and too many choices. But that time crunch with all the involvement and all the activities around us can be incredibly difficult to develop deep relationships because we're all too active and too busy going in too many different directions. Second reason is transition. The average American, I'm not sure if it's blank in your sermon notes, the average American moves how many times do you think in a given lifetime? 11.7. Now for those of you who've lived in the same house, who've always worked at Armico or AK, that doesn't compute with you. We've been in our home now going on 17 years and that's the longest outside of growing up on a farm I've ever lived anywhere. But the average American moves 11.7 years. The average person stays on their job every what? Three to five, 4.1 years. Now again, for those of us who've had the same job all of our lives, that doesn't compute with us. But the average American changes job every 3.5 years. We no longer now see things as a career, but we see them as a chapter. 
We see different stages of our lives as different chapters. And we turn the chapter over to another page or another chapter. Most people a generation ago, even before mine specifically, but even my generation, saw that chosen thing as a given career. This is what I'll be doing for life. But generations now no longer see careers, they see chapters of their lives. The transition of that or the downside of that is the constant change in relational dynamics. The average pastor moves every 3.5 years. That's why I'm, I'm, just, I'm just continuing to fly under the radar hoping nobody somehow disbanded my contract, of which I don't have, by the way. But the average pastor moves every three to five years. His peak years start at year six. Which fascinates me, which is why 75% of the churches in North America are 75 or less. Because the guy's moving before he peaks. Moving before his real challenging years. A number of years ago, one of the most difficult things for me in ministry in my first few years is the transitions that I go through. Opening my heart, opening my love, opening my life to people, and then being relocated for whatever reason or the other. But somebody said to me in one, of my second, in one of my churches, look, I want you to know how tough it is for us. I poured my life out to that last guy, and then I poured my life out to you, and now you tell me this morning you're leaving. I don't want to do that again. So it's difficult for the pastor, difficult for those in the pew. And that transition takes place so often or so many times, it makes it difficult for us to really stay connected down through the years. Third reason is the inability to work through conflict. The inability to work through conflict, which is one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons that 50% of marriages fail. And a relational dynamic is the inability to work through conflict. The most common traits that people look for in relationships in your sermon notes are someone they can trust, someone that genuinely cares, someone that will listen and someone they enjoy life with. Someone they can trust, someone that really genuinely cares, someone that will listen, someone they can enjoy life with. A couple of weeks from now, I think it's the first Sunday night in, uh, in March, I'm going to do a seminar with premarital couples. Couples that are going to get married this year, I found that I can uh, enjoy the time with them on a, a one seminar basis with all of these couples and do a two-hour seminar on what I believe are the seven things necessary for a strong foundation and one of the things I talk about is this issue and the difference between male and female in that particular context. The ones who so much want that someone who will listen side is women and the one to enjoy life with is men. And the difference between the two sometimes is where we get so much conflict because we don't understand why we're there in a relationship and what it is that we bring to the relationship and what it is that we're to provide for the other person. We go into relationships for what needs I can have met as opposed to what needs I can meet. Which is, again, the reason that so many relational marriages fail. Because we go into it to have our needs met as opposed to how can I meet your needs. And again, going back to what I've said before, what women are looking for, so often in so many cases, in almost all situations, the number two thing women need is conversation. Somebody to listen. Somebody to understand. Kids desperately need relationships with their fathers. 35% of the kids in America went to bed last night without a dad in the home. 35% of the kids in America went to bed last night without a dad in the home. I had the privilege of working with 
people in the educational field on a regular basis, and I've heard story after story after story after teachers working with students or of teachers working with students and especially male students who are desperately looking for a relationship with the Father. When I walked in here the night of the venison dinner and saw 970 tables set up and 800 or 900 men and boys in this room, I was fascinated with those connections and, and incredibly thrilled. But I'm telling you, there are sons all over this planet dying for a relationship with the dad. And if there's anything that you can take away from the intentionality of what I'm talking about this morning or intentional in relationships is that if you're a dad this morning raising sons or daughters, that you're incredibly intentional in developing those relationships with them. Whether they ever tell you or not, I'm standing here based on 35 years of ministry and working with your kids almost all of my life, they want it. They may never tell you, they desperately want it and they genuinely need it. So deepen those relationships, be intentional about those relationships with your, with your children, with your sons, and with your daughters. I used to take my daughters on a date so they would know what to look for in a man. Whatever that would mean, whatever it means for you to be able to do that, take them out on outings, give up fishing because I'm telling you, if you're going to teach your kids how to fish, you might as well give it up and take them with you and allow them to enjoy it and then pick it up somewhere later down the road. But whatever it takes, whatever it means, whatever that, that looks like in your life to deepen and develop those relationships with your children, I couldn't emphasize that point enough. Somebody sent me this this week in regards to last week. It was Charlie, Charles Schultz, who was the creator of Peanuts. He's just a classic theologian, Charles Schultz. He said this. Let me ask you a question. Name the five wealthiest people in the world, five last Heisman Trophy winners. Five winners of the Miss America pageant, those who have won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize. At least a half a dozen of Academy Award winners for Best Picture, Best Actor. Those in the last decade who have won the World Series. Probably most of us would not remember any of those headliners of yesteryear. They're not second rate. They're the best in their field. But the applause dies, the awards tarnished, the achievements are forgotten, the accolades and the certificate are burned or buried by their owners. But let me ask you this. Just a few teachers who have aided you in your journey through school. I can still to this day name four immediately. Name three friends who have helped you through difficult time. Name five people who taught you something worthwhile. Think of a few people who have made you feel appreciated and special. Think of five people you enjoy spending time with. The people who make a difference in your life are not the ones with the most credentials, the most money, or the most awards. They're the ones who simply cared the most. And he's right. When we chose this vision statement, we were very specific about the words. Transformed by faith. Transformed, it's not enough to just simply say you have faith. We want to help you come to a faith in Christ that changes your life, that changes your attitude, that changes your outlook, that changes your behavior, that changes your investments. And if I can be really honest with you, if there's no change in your life since you've come to faith in Christ, one of two things must have happened. It makes me wonder if you ever came to faith in Christ or if you've only found a lot of religious activity to hopefully feel better about yourself. Christ offers so much more than that. He offers us an opportunity to change our life from the inside out that really does change our attitude, outlook, behavior, and lifestyle. Growing in wisdom, growing in furs, an ongoing process where you become a lifelong learner. 
One of the worst things in life is you get to that point in your spiritual life where you stop growing. Exploring the vastness and wonder of God is a lifelong journey. One of the most fascinating things about God and his word is that you learn more all the time. How many times have you read a section of scripture that you know you've read before and see something new? I'm fascinated by that. That you can read a section of scripture that you know you've read before and learn something new. God's word, God's vastness, God's, the experience with God is something that will always continue for a lifetime to be explored. And you'll never fully grasp it all. I'm still fascinated by the fact, Con and I talk about it all the time, 39 years we've been together, and there are still things. We were away this week or a couple days on another event, and I'm still fascinated by the things we're experiencing, learning, understanding, stories that we've never talked about before, things we can share, sitting down at a meal and never running dry of conversation. It's even God more, so much more than that, that I can explore the wonders and majesty and amazement of God and never find that it's dry or old or stale. Lamentation said he is new every morning. Intentional in relationships infers that you want to have relationships, that you choose to go after them, that you work hard to maintain them, and they do take work. But as we saw last Sunday morning, they're a part of the process of our personal and spiritual development. Intentional means that you're willing to take the risks that relationships can bring, and you're willing to pay the price to have good relationships. That you're willing to get involved and that you're willing to get connected. It is not just enough to show up on Sunday morning. But to go beyond that and get connected with the body of Christ. Be intentional in deepening our walk with God. Be intentional in our growing relationship with God. Be intentional in our desire and ability to get connected. Ministries are one of those ways. Serving together in certain ministries can bring people together who would otherwise, otherwise not get connected. We'll talk about that last, next Sunday as we finish. One of the best ways in your sermon notes is through a small group. It's through a small group. Many of you are already in one, which hopefully has a lot of the components that we looked at last week. One of the most difficult things for me as a senior pastor is to know how and where to get involved into a small group. And so three years ago, I, I, Ted and I talked a lot about it and about the need to get in one, the need to lead one. And so I invited a number of couples in with us and it has been three of the most incredible years of my journey. We love one another, we trust one another, we care about one another, we open up to one another, we're vulnerable with each other. We live together, we laugh together, we love together, we cry together. It's just been an incredible journey within the context of a small group. Most of you have one. I hope you're involved in one, or many of you I've, I, I know are involved in one. If you've never tried them before, I encourage you to get involved in one, to get connected. Maybe you've been in one before and got burned or it didn't work out. I encourage you to give it another try. We're also going to try something a little bit different for those who just want to check it out but aren't interested in a long-term commitment. Two initiatives that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this. Outside those center doors on my left, as you walk out the door, are sign-up sheets for what we're going to call community groups. Community groups are, are a little bit different than the traditional discipleship group. Our discipleship groups are designed to be long-term groups that meet regular with an emphasis on discipleship, transformation, and growth. Community groups are going to join together for eight to ten weeks. Be together specifically with the emphasis on community relationships. The lessons are going to be provided by the church. 
are going to be designed with people in mind who have never either been involved in one or aren't currently in one right now. After eight to ten week session is over, the group may decide to stay together or they may disband. We're going to offer those kinds of groups three to four times a year and it will enable a person to maybe join a different group or get a feel for where that chemistry fits and which one I want to be a part of for the long haul. Some groups may decide to become discipleship groups and commit together for that long-term thing. We feel relationships and building community is incredibly important and we want to do everything we can to help you and sometimes starting out with that traditional model, a discipleship group that may not have an end, this is a little bit easier for you. But to do that, we need three things. One, we need leaders. Maybe you don't want to commit to the long-term process of leading a small group, but you would consider leading for eight to ten weeks. And maybe then giving leadership to a group, will, you'll find that you have leadership skills you didn't know you had. And there are sign-up sheets out there for that. Second thing we need is hosts. People who are willing to open up their home for that community group to meet in. They don't want to lead it, but they would love to host it. And so for that short window of time, eight to ten weeks, I can open up my home and people can come and be a part of that and get connected with one another. And there's a sign-up sheet out there for hosts. And obviously the third thing we need is participants. People who really want to be intentional about getting to know other people. People who really are committed to the intentionality of that, who aren't content with just sitting where nobody comes and nobody gets connected, but where I really do get involved and I'm intentional about that. As soon as these groups are formed, they'll decide on the when and the where and what night works best for the people and the host and the leader. Outside those doors are sign-up sheets for that. The other thing I want to share with you this morning is something that I talked about the night we had a congregational meeting that we want to begin starting next Sunday. I called my brother's keeper. I said last Sunday morning, within the context of a larger church, sometimes it's a little bit easy to get lost. You can come on Sunday morning and, and many people know where you sit. I had somebody say to me this morning, someone took my seat. Because <laughs> we're all pretty much creatures of habit. I, I'm, I, now that I've been in this sanctuary for over two and a half years, I pretty much know whether you're here or not because you all do sit in the same seats. And uh, I pretty much know exactly where you're going to be. Some come at 8 o'clock just so they can get their seats for the 9 o'clock service. But sometimes, if we're really honest, we've missed for a while and a month or so and, and no one's noticed. And for many, that's painful. Because they want to be missed. They want to be noticed. And we haven't always figured out what is the best way to help with that. What is the best thing to do about that? So again, outside those doors, right in the middle is a, a box with a, a large placard on it that says, My Brother's Keeper. And underneath that is a card. And it just simply says this, I've noticed that, and then you put somebody's name in there, hasn't been here for a while. And somebody's going to take this card, and I'll talk about that in a second, but someone's going to take this card, and, and they may call them, they may call you, they may do whatever. We've got five people that are willing to follow up and help and, and, and visit and make some phone calls to say, we've missed you, how can we help, what's happened? Second line in there is maybe someone's in the hospital and we don't know it. And, and you know it, you're, you're involved, you're intentional, there are a lot of places and a lot of people that go here and you may know that and we encourage you to write that down there and then there are just two other lines for a comment of any kind maybe you know some extenuating circumstances that we need to know and then right out there is a, a small box that matches the 
woodwork on the table, you lift the box up or throw it in the slot or just lift the box up and set it in there. And, uh, and we'll follow up and, and we'll call and we have people that are willing to do that to, to try to stay connected. A part of this, though, and, and our, our hope and our passion is that you have also taken the initiative in contacting this individual. What I find so often through the years is someone expects someone else to do it or hopes that someone else will care or someone else will show an interest or one of the pastors will visit or one of the pastors will go and they've not taken the initiative themselves to do that. I've had people say to me, did you know so-and-so was in the hospital and nobody visited them? I often wondered why they didn't. And if indeed we want to be intentional in relationships, our hope is that you're as well intentional in saying, you know what? I haven't seen John for a while. I'm not sure where Susie is, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to call her up, say I've missed you. And some of the fear is what they'll say or what they'll ask. I get all that. But hopefully you're taking the initiative in contacting them to say, I miss you. I wish you were around. I haven't seen you. Are you okay? haven't seen you on Sunday morning. We'll do our part. We've got a team of people who have already said they'll follow up, but we're hoping you'll do your part as well. One of the things we want you to take initiative in is inviting people to Community Alliance Church. This year, I'm specifically asking my elders if I've stayed too long. And I don't know when that magic year is. I don't have a contract. But I'm saying to them, I get it. If a church doesn't continue to grow on a regular basis, it's like coaching. The, the, the head coach will have to look at himself and where he's at and how long he's been there. And, 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 I, and I understand that. I'm, I want to take that risk and take that responsibility. But I'm also hoping that you will take the initiative to say, I love CAC. I love what we do. I love what we offer. And I've got friends who don't go to church, who aren't connected anywhere who really do need to find what I have found in Jesus. And I want to invite them to church. Now, I know Sunday morning, this particular morning, isn't a good morning to examine that because of the snow outside. But we've got a lot of empty spaces that can be filled. And I said last Sunday morning, if we fill both of these, we'll do a third service. But we're hoping that we all will take the initiative. I'll, I'll take my responsibility and I'll do my part. But I hope you will also take the initiative in saying, I love CAC. I love what we are. I love what we offer. I love who we are. And I love the Christ that they offer here. And I want to make sure that my friends have found the Jesus that I have found in him. And we hope you'll take the initiative in doing that as well. We want to be people who are really transformed by, by Christ. Who are changed from the inside out. We want to be people who really do grow in Christ. Who aren't content just to stay where we are, but want to continue to explore the wonders and vastness of God. And we want to be people who are intentional in relationships who don't want to just sit idly through life, never getting involved, never getting connected, never really genuinely caring, but who really do want to reach out and touch the lives of the people around them, who want to invite them to church, who want to be a part of their life, who want to get connected, want to get connected with them beyond just simply the Sunday morning experience, who may have to let a, one or two other activities that pull me in so many different directions go so that I can do that. We really want to be a people who take the initiative to be intentional in relationships. The reason, probably primarily, that we chose intentional in relationships is because of what we just shared this morning. That God was intentional in pursuing a relationship 
with us. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that we could have life and have it forever. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That God intentionally pursued us. That God so loved you and cared about you that he gave everything so that you could have life and have it in him forever. I said to my girls on a regular basis and I said to them specifically in regards to the son-in-laws that God has given me, if I would have put into a machine what I wanted in a son-in-law, you would have come out. I'm delighted in who you are. I didn't choose you, but I'm so delighted that she did and that I have you. But when it comes to my girls, out of all the billions of people in the world, I would have chosen them every time. God so loved you that he intentionally came after you and he chose you for his son and his daughter and loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And what he asks in return is your life given to him. To deepen that walk with him, to grow in that relationship with him and then do everything you possibly can to make sure others have found what you have found in Jesus. It is the greatest life on this planet to be a follower of Christ. And until we see him face to face, it will be the greatest thing you'll ever do in life is to pursue a passionate relationship with Jesus because he's pursued that with you. I hope you've found that. If not, that's what he's all about. And that's what we offer here to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your amazing love and grace. I thank you for pursuing us, for coming after us, for sending your son to die for us, for loving us so much that you gave your all so that we could have life and have it forever. And for many of us in this room, maybe most of us in this room, we remember that day when your spirit drew us, when your voice came after us, when the message was clearly for us and we knew that you had pursued us and you had come to rescue us and redeem us and set us free. And we look back on that day as one of the greatest days of our lives. And as we've continued to pursue that relationship with you, it's gotten better and better and better all the time. For those in the room here this morning that remember that day, I trust that they will again see it with delight and joy. And as they look back over their relationship with you, whether it's been a year or 50 years, they will know it was the absolute best decision they've ever made in a lifetime because of the relationship they have with you and what you have provided in your uh, kingdom. For that one here this morning who is really alone, who doesn't have that, who longs for it, who would want that more than anything, I trust that today is a day where they recognize that you have indeed pursued them and you do love them. And you want to call them in and bring them to yourself. Whatever side of that prayer you're on this morning, if you remember God's pursuit of you and what it was like to commit your life to him and now you look back over your journey with him, it's just been an amazing journey. I trust that you will cherish it and smile about it. But if you're that other side of that prayer where you really are lonely and you really would love to be connected with God, That's what we're here for. 
whether it's, be to connect it, whether it's to be connected to other people within the family of God or certainly connected to God himself. That's one of the reasons we exist. And we'd love to help you do that as well. If you're one of those, though, this morning that just is empty inside and would love to have a deeper walk with God or get more and more connected with people in the family of God or maybe even have a better connection with God himself, uh, and you raise your hand, I'd just love to pray for you. God's going to see it. Nobody else is. And I'd love to pray for you before we close this morning. Anybody like that? Okay. Anybody else? Thank you. God, we're all different stages of life, and I'm grateful for that. For those that are looking and, and longing for a deeper commitment to you or a deeper walk with you or a deeper commitment to people, I trust that you will continue to draw and we'll do everything we can to deepen their walk with you and to make it the greatest relationship of a lifetime. And until we see you face to face, we will know that it has definitely changed us into who we are and who we've become. So those hands that you saw this morning, for whatever reason they've raised it, for whatever level of life they're on, I trust you'll meet them at the point of that need. And may your glory and your grace continue to draw them deeper and deeper in their walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.